Today's sermon will be like a, a tribute because I want to dedicate it to Apostle Dr. Fred Price, founder of Crenshaw Christian Center, who passed on this Friday the 12th at the age of 89. I want to run his life parallel to what we read in Scripture. And the reason I want to do that is that I feel sometimes that when we read Bible characters, they may seem so far from our culture and so far removed from our times that we might find it hard sometimes to think that they were like us because they lived in a different era and sometimes we may not realize that their experiences are the same as ours. But as you'll see, and I'll be reading from the book of Hebrews where the Bible says for us to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There are people that you and I, we can learn from. And as we look at their lives, because their lives and their journey is so similar to ours, we can learn from them and learn how to serve God in the journey they have traveled themselves. I know people talk about having mentors and some people talk about having idols. I don't think I'd like the idol part. But of course, mentors, and we have teachers, we have fathers, we learn from somebody. But the qualification in the words of Paul is, follow me as I follow Christ. We follow the example of their Christ-like life. We don't follow everything they do. But I've realized as I've grown that had it not been that we have people to whom we could look at their lives and learn lessons from them, we wouldn't be helped, some of us, to be where we are, as you'll be hearing in my story. In the early days of his life, Dr. Price spent his life searching for his life's mission. He struggled in the early days to define himself like some of you might be having that struggle. And he became a pastor of four different denominations. But then in 1970, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he founded Crenshaw Christian Center in 1973. Him and his wife were married for 67 years. That's something we can learn from. And him and his wife started Crenshaw Christian Center in 1973. First of all, it was located on 955-50 Crenshaw Boulevard in Inglewood before moving into their new campus in 1981. I'm inspired by their story because if you go to this church, it's really not in the top suburb. It's in what the Americans call the ghetto. Oh, being Americans, they say ghetto, not ghetto. We pronounce the T. It's really a place of people who are under-resourced. And what I liked about him is that he could model that in spite of being born in a, in, a, in a place that is not well resourced, 
You can still strive for excellence and still do the best for God. And truly his church became the hope of the community and still is. And truly uplifted that community. In fact, the site on which the church is built now was formerly owned by the Pepperdine University. It was a campus there on South Vermont Avenue, 97th Street. And when Pepperdine University decided to sell that site, the city wanted to buy that campus, actually. And they couldn't afford the money that they were charging to buy the campus. But the church in the ghetto not only bought that site, they paid cash for it. So in 1986, construction began on that site, and they built a 10,000-seater faith dome. And in that same year, the Prices and Angela Evans founded the FKCP Third Christian School. They also founded the elementary school in 1986, a middle school in 1987, and a high school in 1992. They've had a program on television called Ever Increasing Faith, and it has really broadcast around the world. And so the ministry they run today uh, includes about 16 health ministry auxiliaries, and there's also have the Apostle Frederick K. Price Ministry Training Institute, and they have the Crenshaw Christian Center. He has authored more than 50 books on faith, healing, and prosperity. Let me tell you how I first encountered uh, Dr. Price. I was working at Rema in 1981, and those of you who are my age, you'll remember how the 80s were and the 70s were. These were times of great political turmoil and great tensions between black and white people. And apartheid, worse as it was, it was even glaring up its ugly head in the 80s. Pastor Ray has called by God to start a church in Rema in 1979, had the courage and the boldness to start a church that would, be, that would include people of all races. That was something that was not common in our country. It was done in several pockets, but not so much among the Pentecostal charismatic people. Because at the time, the white brothers and sisters of the charismatic church would hide behind scripture and not deal with the issue of racism. Pastor Ray had the courage to do this. And so in 1981 and 1982, I studied at Rema, and I got a job to work in the mailing room. And so we heard and we would watch videos, you know, at, in class of teachings that went on in Rema Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Needless to say that the lecturers at Rema, Tulsa, and the videos we saw composed of only white people. This was just what was in that time. And, and then came this man who was a black man with Afro hair and very eloquent and erudite and astute. And uh, where's my water? And he stands there to teach, and I'm struck, not so much about the things I've mentioned, but the, the, the faith he has, the confidence he has, and what God has done in his life. And, and you can see, I mean, the man is so well-groomed, every hair in place. But most of all, he really loves God. But then he starts telling his story. And as he tells his story during these teachings, I can hear that I can identify with him. 
He comes from a poverty-stricken environment. He didn't grow up like this. He actually got to where he got in his words because of faith in the word of God. And then lo and behold, then we got news and we were told at Rema that they had invited him to be a guest speaker. Now, Pastor Ray always laughs when I tell this part, so I'm going to tell it like I tell Pastor Ray. Imagine me working in Reba, which is 99.999% white staff workers, and only a few of us black people, and I'm working in the mailing room, and all of a sudden, there's an announcement of this black man coming to a white church, and we are made to do spring cleaning a week before this brother arrives. And I'm, I'm wondering, who is this man? I, I really, I really, I really want to see him. Who makes who? Makua. I said, never. I mean, brother, you've got to remember. Some of you may not appreciate that because you don't understand how things were in the 80s. And then finally he arrives, and my goodness, what an incredible teaching he had. Little did I know that just that one encounter would start a connection because there are people who can affect your life even from afar. I didn't know in my wildest dreams that one day would have the privilege to even get to meet him on a personal level. Nonetheless, it just so happened on that trip that uh, uh, they gave him a Persian carpet and they had given me that carpet to make a box out of it because it was usual for me to make boxes for the guest speakers. And I'd made this beautiful box and given him the carpet. And so fast forward several years later, Dr. Price starts coming to South Africa, and I went to the conference where he was, and finally we got to meet, and I was so blessed. So some, in 2016, we had the privilege to, the honor and the privilege to go to the church there, Crenshaw Christian Center. And uh, Dr. Price and, and was so gracious to have me preach in the church, as you can see on the picture there, it was a very unnerving experience, Bazalana, when you are preaching, and there he's sitting on the corner there. That's not easy at all. And then my bishop and I had the privilege later in the years that followed to also visit the church again, and were invited by them, and they were gracious enough to have us in their home. And, uh, and not only did we preach, but they had us in their home, and there they are in their home with them. And so, Bazalana, as I preached this sermon, my heart was really broken on a Friday when I heard about his passing. But nevertheless, when I think about it, I thank God that there are people in our world who live out to show what a man of God should live like, what a believer in Christ should live like. He was the example of a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather who walked in faith. And his life for me can be summed up in many things, but I just want to use this one word that is going to be the title of our sermon today, courage. Courage. You and I have to need, need to have courage to rise from whatever background, regardless of where you find yourself or where you were born. Because there are many men and women throughout history who never allowed their background to define who they are. Am I talking to people who are alive here this morning? Now, many people who allow their background to define who they are and they allow where they come from to dictate to them. And anybody that God comes in contact with, God is going to challenge you through his word and challenge you through the power of his spirit to rise from where you are and embrace his destiny for your life. God has said it simply in the book of Jeremiah. He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. 
It's thoughts of peace. It's thoughts to give you peace, to give you a future and an expected end. Now, even if God is willing to give you that future and to give you that expected end, the question is, how hungry are you to embrace what God has for you? How hungry are you to take possession what God has for you? And you'll note, once you start on that journey, you're going to need a lot of courage. And so Joshua chapter 1 from verse 1 is what I think is, summarizes what we are saying. It says there, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Moses, to Joshua rather, and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Look at your neighbor and say, arise. Don't go to them, please. Say, talk to them from your seat. Tell them, arise. Tell them again, arise. They don't hear you. They are far. You may have, keep your mask on now. Don't spit on them. Don't spit on them. Tell them again, arise. God says to him, arise. I love it. Go over. Somebody say, arise and go over. You see, for, for you to be able to take into full possession what God has in store for you, number one, you've got to arise. Number two, you have to go over certain things. All right? You've got to understand that what God has for you is not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. That there are things that you have to practice in your life. It says, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I'm giving them today. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon that I've given to you. And then God describes how far. Verse 6. I love this one. Be strong. Look at your neighbor and say, be strong. Tell your other neighbor, be strong. Note what it says. Be strong and of a good courage. And then he repeats in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. God says, be strong and of a good courage. Then he says, be strong and be very courageous. What God is saying is that you need courage to fulfill your destiny. You need courage to fulfill your calling. Watch this now. Even if what you are doing is what God told you needs to be done. Even if God is the one who has given you whatever you are trying to do, God says you need to be strong. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous to take your inheritance. And then in verse 17, God says, you need to be even very strong. He says, you need to be very, very courageous. What does he say? What it means is, you need to be single-minded. He says, only be strong and very courageous. In other words, be single-minded to obey God's command. And then he says, if you become courageous, if you become strong, you will prosper in the way that you are going. What he's saying, God says, you will have success. You will be able to achieve that which you need to achieve. Note, Bazalan, sometimes for us to move forward in life, it is not so much more anointing or more prayer or more knowledge. As important as prayer is, and we don't look down on it, as important as anointing is, and we don't look down upon it, as important as knowledge is, and we don't look down upon it, we, there are times when you just need to have this thing called courage. What we need is courage to do what we know that we are supposed to do. God says if you will do what you are supposed to do, you will prosper. And the word prosper is a very, very interesting word. Because when you read it in Hebrew, it means a number of things. It means to causatively make somebody to act. 
Hence, you are talking about somebody who is intelligent. It means somebody becomes prudent, skillful, they have good success, they have wisdom, they have wit. God says, if you are able, if you are willing to do what I tell you, you will prosper. You'll achieve your goals, you'll have wisdom, you'll have wit, you'll be intelligent, you'll be skillful, you will move forward in life. I'm sure as I look at you today, there is nobody here who can say you don't want your life to move forward at all. Oh, your amen wasn't so convincing at all. In the NIV, it reads as follows, verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So God says, wherever you go, if you will have, if you will obey my law, and if you will have courage, that's a combination of the two, you will prosper. The Bible in basic English said, so that you may do well in all your undertakings. Can you imagine doing well in all your undertakings? Whatever you get into, you see prosperity and success. But God says you must have courage. Now what is courage? Courage is defined as follows. The ability to do something that frightens one. So we are already acknowledging that the fear factor will be there. Mara, even if really afraid, we will still do it anyhow. The ability to do something that frightens you. I don't know about you, but I, you know, in, in many things that we've undertaken, the, the, it, it hasn't been always where I thought we're just going to kill this one. There are times when you stand there, there's a little bit of fear. Even athletes will tell you that before any performance, they become nervous. You know, I was watching the Australian Open, you know, which they, they are playing now. In front of, you know, there's not, there's no, you know, it's, they're playing in empty stadium, you know. And, and several of them who win, when they interview them, they ask them, they said, you notice that the first set, you didn't do so well. And they say, no, I had some nerves. But the only way to cure the nerves is to continue playing. Are you there? So we need to understand that that's what courage is. Courage doesn't mean we don't have fear. But it means we still do something that frightens one. The other Definition is courage is bravery. Second definition, courage is strength in the face of pain or grief. Strength in the face of pain or grief. We are going through a difficult, painful time. We are going through a time where there is so much grief. But God will grant us the strength and we need to go on in spite of that. Hallelujah. Dictionary.com defines courage as follows, and I quote, the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, etc., without fear or bravery. In other words, when you are courageous, you decide to face things. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, courage is the mental or moral strength to venture persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So we've got to venture. We've got to persevere. We've got to withstand all these things. The Cambridge Dictionary defines courage as the ability to control your fear in a dangerous or difficult situation. In other words, even when you want to give up, even when you want to run, you don't run. You still move on anyhow. And that's an important thing. Now, you've heard my stories about dogs. 
uh, and I've told you in the past, I grew up being one of those who's very afraid of dogs, okay? And I think the dogs knew I was afraid of them. I don't know when you're afraid of dogs, are there pheromones that you release or a fear hormone that the dogs can smell? And it was so strange for me because there was this house where they had these dogs. And it just happened to be on the, on the path where we, we had to pass next to that house to go to the shop where we used to buy things. You know, this is before we had the supermarkets and all of that. So there was always this small kefi there. I don't know. I mean, you can hear. It was a nice shop. So we would go there. And I'd have to pass there. And being the boy at home, I was the one who would always be sent to go to the shop. Because I can let's say, when you have sisters, some of the guys have a chaza. Come on, don't give me that innocent look, you guys. You used to do some of that. So I would go to the shop because after all, those days, I would different these days. Days are different these days. Hey! No, don't give me that innocent look. You know what I'm talking about. So, and unfortunately, every time I went to the shop, every time, there, there would be a time when I would, walking with, would, walking, would be walking with a group of other kids, and these dogs would come out of the yard, and they would make a straight beeline for me. Why me? I don't know. I don't know. Thank God as I grew up, we finally got a dog uh, uh, at my house. We don't have it now. And I started knowing a few things about dogs. And then I realized, you know, if you run away from the dog, it's going to come after you. But you must remember, if you are bitten by a dog, you, you never forget that experience. So when a dog comes charging your way, your first response automatically is to run. Now, in, in your mind, you know you mustn't run, but your body says run. So what do you do? You demonstrate courage. You just stand there. And I remember years ago, we went over to Mpumalanga, my bishop and I, and we had, uh, you know, Carolyn Clark, our friends, had befriended some people in Pumalanga who, are, who have a farm. And they had this huge, big, burbul dog. You know a burbul dog? You, you know what a burbul is? These dogs are big and fierce. And so I went out of the house to go get something from the car. And, and when I came back, everybody had moved to another lounge. And as I came in, the burbul was there and came charging towards me. I tell you, Wazalana, I... Thank God I knew not to run. So I just stood. I didn't run. I just stood and looked at it. I didn't say anything. I was praying inside. <laughs> Jesus, nearer my God to thee. But for some reason, the dog finally stopped, looked at me, turned back, and walked away. And I thought, sure. At least I showed courage. That's what courage is. Even when you are afraid, Go on anyhow. Even if you feel like you're going to lose, go on anyhow. Can I hear an amen? amen? So we need to have courage. Because courage is simply bravery in the face of danger. Steadfastness in the face of opposition. Action in the face of resistance. Optimism in the face of despair. And it's quite interesting because we know the Bible in Hebrews 6 says we, we shouldn't become lazy, Hebrews 6, 12 in the NIV. Don't become lazy, but imitate. Imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. 
The Message Bible says, don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay on course with a committed faith and they get everything that is promised them. And so we have an example, several examples of people that I will go through quickly. I'll give you the scripture references. I won't read them fully. First of all, we note number one, it takes courage to fulfill destiny. That's number one. We're reading that in Joshua 1, 6. God says, if you want to fulfill destiny, if you want to be able to take hold of what I have for you, you need courage. Number two, it takes courage to be single-minded in following your Bible-based conviction. When you read the story in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, it says, be strong and very courageous and observe all that God has in store for you. It's amazing that Joshua had heard God say this. And many years down the line in his life as a leader, the people that he had led decided to go against God and to walk away from God. Joshua, instead of following them, he faces the very people, and this is what he says to them in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. He said, so now fear the Lord. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped on the other side of the river in Egypt. You worship God, he says, verse 15. If you decide that is the bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river and one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you are living now. As for me, and my family, we will worship the Lord. See, there comes a time when you need to have the courage to embrace your convictions no matter what other people say. And more so if what you are doing is based on the word of God. You know, sometimes we think when we follow God, everybody will clap for us. Uh -uh. Sometimes by virtue of following what the word of God says, you will have people walk away from you. So we have to have the courage to embrace our convictions. Number three, it takes courage to put your trust in God and abandon your faith to God and refuse for humans to be your source. Where do we see that? In Genesis 14, Abram had gone out from defeating Kedolaom Lamer, the king, whom he had gone to defeat this king Kedor Lamer, I don't know how to say it, and the kings who were allies with him. He defeated even the king of Sodom, and he defeated these kings rather, and when he came back, the king of Sodom, who didn't embrace the values of Abraham, came to meet him, and he spoke to him and said to Abraham, I want to give you a share, I want to bless you. This is in Genesis 14. But Abraham instead says to this king, king, I don't want you to give me these things because when I prosper, you will say you've made me rich. In verse 22, Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and I have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never able to say I made Abraham rich. And this is the dilemma we face when people want to give you something and cause you and me to violate our values. 
They want to give you a shorter way. They want to create an obstacle for you. You got to have courage to say, I'm not going to take that. Keep your money. I'm not going to allow myself to be corrupted. I don't want you tomorrow to say that you made me rich. There's a God in heaven who's the only one who can make me rich. Number four, it takes courage to kill the giants. In 1 Samuel 17, we see how David killed Goliath. When all the soldiers were afraid of Goliath, David stood before Goliath and he fought this giant. And the Bible tells us that as David stood before Goliath, he said to the Goliath, to Goliath, you come to me with a spear and a sword, but I come to you, verse 45, in the name of the Lord of hosts whom you have spoken against. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Note verse 46. He says, this day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. He's saying this when he is not even conscripted to be a soldier. But the reason he can do this is because he knows the God in whom he believes. He knows the God in whom he trusts. He has had fellowship with God. And when push comes to shove, he said, I'm not going to bet down. I'm going to stand strong in the things of God and do what God has said I must do. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear a good amen? amen? Can I hear a good amen? amen. Can I hear a good amen? amen? I said, can I have a good amen? amen? And in conclusion, it takes courage to follow your God-given dreams. And to pursue them until they are fulfilled, even when obstacles have been created in your path. When you look at the life of Joseph in Genesis 50, you know that there were so many obstacles that came his way. He went to jail, was almost killed, he was lied about, disloyalty was leveled at him. But in spite of all of that, Joseph continued with God's dream. So whatever dream you have that comes from God in your life, be aware that God will always see you through. And it takes a lot of courage for you to embrace that dream. It may take long, but if it comes from God, it will finally come to pass. It takes a lot of courage to still keep believing in what God says, even when everything around you is telling you a different message. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to still believe in God when it doesn't look like anything is changing around you. It takes courage. And I don't know. I have a sense that I'm looking at men and women who are full of courage here. And we have men and women full of courage watching from home. And you have the courage even today to invite Christ in your life to be Savior and Lord. That he should change you and make you a child of God. Have the courage to say, you know, I don't want my life to go on like this. I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to pray with you where you are as you invite Christ in your life and have the courage for your life to change and to transition. Will you join me in the prayer and will you all join as we pray? Let us pray. Follow me in the prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. 
Thank you for coming into my heart and for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for the nation now. Lord, I pray for our nation and other nations of the world. The men and women who have joined us on television and through the social media platforms, those who are streaming from our other churches. May your spirit rest on us and may a courageous spirit rise in us. As you said in your word, be strong and courageous. Thank you that we will rise in courage. We will face whatever we're afraid of. And you, God, you'll always give us victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Be strong and be courageous. Because if God be for you, nobody can be against you. God bless you as you become courageous, as you go out to fulfill your dream, and you don't turn back from anything in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a good hand. Let's meet again next week Sunday. God bless you.